Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. Well, y'all stuck with me again. You know, every time he leaves lately, I, I feel like he's been asking me to do this, but I love doing this. I'm so glad to get to speak with y'all, get to speak to y'all again. Uh, this is kind of, you know, I, when I talk to the young people, and I tell them this all the time, like, you know, I don't know how to, to just do something. Uh, I guess I'm still a little early in my walk and learning how to do this whole pastor thing. And, and I, I'm still at a place where just about everything I talk about comes out of something that I'm dealing with, something that I've either been through recently or kind of a season of my life. And this has kind of been uh, going along the same kind of vein that uh, if any of you were here last time when I spoke, this kind of follows in that same vein. It's just this kind of season I've been in where, where God's really been putting me in some uh, situations, I've been using me in a way, been stretching me in a lot of ways with, with what's been going on in my life. And, you know, we, we live in this kind of society, we live in a, a day and age where it seems like everyone is anxious. Like anxiety is just running wild in our, in our families and in our lives, and we don't really know what to do with it. We're just kind of, just kind of broken over it. We, uh, we, we're kind of a society that's, uh, we're, we're turning to pills, we're turning to doctors, we're trying to do anything we can to, to numb the anxiety that we feel, the fear that we fear, all this, uh, these things that go on in life so easily, um, because of the way life is. Life's gonna throw you curveballs, life, life's a fallen creation, and we understand that trouble's gonna find you. And today I wanna talk a little bit about anxiety. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 1 Peter, it'd be chapter 5, we're gonna start somewhere around verse 5. But, you know, this is, a uh, kind of Peter's instructions on that very subject. And it kind of spoke to me in a time where I was dealing with this in a heavy way. And, and this is uh, what, what Peter says and, and the way God moves through Peter. I hope it helps you today in the same way that it helped me. And starting in verse 5, it says this. It says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elder. Now, just a little context. Peter, Peter right here, he's a little bit older. He's got that AARP swag. He's got his senior citizen discount swag right here. So he's speaking a little bit you know, more boldly than he normally did. He's a little bit older, a little bit wiser here. So he's telling them, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, he, and he's, he's speaking to this crowd of people who, who, who he understands. You know, I'm a little bit wiser than I used to be, and I've walked a little bit longer with God. And he says, in all of you, clothe yourself with humility to one another because God opposes the proud but he shows favor to the humble. In verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. But resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know, you know the believers... The, the, the family of believers throughout all the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So he's telling them, listen, you're, you're not alone. You're not the only one going through this. You're not the only one that's dealing with these things. It's a battle we all must fight. Some fears we all must face. Things we all must go through. And we are all together in this. We're all dealing with the same things. We're dealing with it together. In verse 10 he says, And the God of all grace who called to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. 
I want to talk about for a few moments just about when anxiety attacks. What are you going to do when anxiety attacks? See, the hard truth about life, about the fallen creation is that uh, he's Satan. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like you. He don't want God to use you. He, he doesn't want God to use you in the way that God has called you to. He's put a target on your back. He uses, wants to use you as target practice while God is raising you up. See, the devil, he's after you, and he does not like the passion you have for God in your life. This is just the truth of the matter. See, like Peter said, Satan roars like a lion looking for someone he can eat alive for someone he can tear apart, a family he can tear apart, a future he can ruin before it even gets started, a church he can divide, a nation he can divide. Boy, do we see that today. A nation he can divide. An addiction he can plant in your heart. Something that can make it to where you can never lead a normal life or one he's called you to. How often do we deal with that in our lives? Satan is after you this morning, and he's busy and active. And you don't have to be a preacher, a missionary. You don't have to be someone who serves on a board. Uh, You have a target on your back. You have a target on your back. The birthmark of a believer is a bullseye. The birthmark we carry is a bullseye. And Peter's here to teach us we are born into a living hope. But as we are born into a living hope, you're also born into a living struggle and a very real battle. A very real battle each and every day, especially when you become one with Christ. We are born into this struggle. Now, I do want to be careful because, you know, sometimes we give too much credit to Satan. You know, we, we do this all the time. You know, I, I'm under attack. I'm under spiritual attack. You know, last night I went and, you know, I plugged up my phone. Uh, and, and I got up this morning and I missed my alarm. I missed my alarm. I know I charged my phone. I know I, I, know I did. Satan, he, he, he's after me. Or maybe you just got a bad charger. You know, maybe it, maybe it has nothing to do with Satan. It's just the way it works and you just got a bad charger. And you, I've heard this one. I've heard this one. Man, man, my boss is on my back. Man, my coworkers are on my back. Man, every time I go to work, they're just on me. They're just on me all the time. Satan, man, he's just out to get me. Satan's just out to get me. Or maybe you're just underperforming. Maybe you're not being a good steward of the paycheck you've been given. Maybe you're not being a good coworker. Maybe it isn't on Satan at all. Maybe it's something in your heart that needs to be changed. Yet there are those times and seasons where you do feel under attack like everything is falling apart. And this is kind of what Peter's letter is about. He's saying to the church, you're under attack. I have people coming to me all the time. You know, they ask me what I'm doing. We're having conversations and they always ask me, well, you know, what do you do? And I, I talk to them about being a youth pastor. I talk to them about being in the ministry. And every time, they uh, pretty much say the same thing. Well, look, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Satan, he's out to get you. He's out to get you. I didn't got to where when they do that, I just turn and look at them straight in the eye. And I just say the same thing back. And I say, you know what? Satan will take anybody he can get. I'm going to pray for you too. He'll take anybody he can get. He's not just after me. He's after each and every one of us. If you're one with Christ, Satan is after you. He wants to ruin your life. He hates you. It's you he's been after with those repeated thoughts and themselves in your mind over and over, those thoughts of worthlessness, those thoughts of hopelessness, that fear that builds up in your mind that you can't do it. I'm not enough. I'm inefficient. I can't do the very call that God's put on my life. It's Satan in our lives. It's sin in our lives repeating those words over and over. And this seems to be Peter's primary focus is the attack of the enemy often manifests itself 
and an overwhelming sense of anxiety. It needs to be. It probably is the manifestation because of the attack. For it were, if it weren't, he wouldn't make it the focal point in verse 7. A singular focal point in verse 7 of his letter to the church under attack. The good news is about the attack, it's, it's not an ambush. It's not an ambush. See, Peter says, Satan is like a roaring lion. He gives you a warning before he begins. He gives you a warning before he comes. Sometimes we act surprised by the things we go through and the ways that we struggle. We come into our situations that are harder than we expect them to be. You know, we're asking God to do a great thing in our lives and the battle begins, but we act like it was some kind of surprise that we're in this struggle. We act like we're, we're surprised that we're in this fight when God's warned us the whole time. Peter says, this is from the devil. He's not silent. He lets you know he's coming. So what you need to know if you're under attack, and I want to, I won't ask anyone to raise their hands about this, but when you find yourselves in a season of attack, and I'm thinking Peter's going to say, you know, right here, when, when you hear that he, he refers to Satan as a lion, my first thought is, well, Peter's going to tell you to run. Get out of there, run. You're not going to face down a lion. But he doesn't. That isn't what he says. He doesn't say run. In verse 9, he tells us to resist. To resist. For those who are under attack need to come under the mighty hand of God. I want to take a second and explain a few things about the hand of God and what it represents. See, um, in verse 6, where it says, Humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand, that He might lift you up in due time. See, the mighty hand of God is an image that would have been familiar with the Jewish audience. For it was the mighty hand and the outstretched arm of God that brought the people out of Egypt. They understood this thing. And I guarantee you, that a lot of us in our lives, if we take a little inventory, can see this very thing, how God's mighty hand has moved in our lives so often. See, Peter wants them to know the same hand of God is still reigning in their lives. The same hand of God is still reigning in your life today. Humble yourselves under that mighty hand is what he's saying. Humble yourselves under that mighty hand. See, the hand of God represents His plan. And man, am I thankful that God's plan prevailed in my life over my own. So often I thought mine was better. And I was leading myself straight to destruction. And I'm so thankful that I'm even standing here today because God's hand prevailed in my life. Peter is trying to show them the hand of God is over their life and it will prevail and His purpose will overcome. We need to allow God's plan to take hold in our lives and not that plan of our own. Our own wants and our own desires need to fall away. And we need to be in line with the will of God. Secondly, the hand of God represents His provision. The provision of God. And who better to talk about that than Peter, who was there when Jesus took some loaves and some fishes and fed 5,000? Who better to understand the provision of God? At times, we feel like we are at a place that is lacking. That your provision is never dependent on your own ability to provide for yourself or your own ability to create resources for yourself. This is what we need to understand. So often we want to lean on our own, our own intellect, our own talents, our own gifts. But God's saying, I can provide for you better. I can provide for you better. If you put it in the hand of God, you, it will multiply. Anything you put in the hand of God multiplies. Your hope, your grace, your strength, it keeps coming. 
We need to quit leaning on our own understanding, our own strength, our own intellect to provide for our lives when God has said, I got you. I can provide for you better. I can do a better job than you ever could. Matter of fact, most of the time, you don't even know what it is you actually need. You don't even know what it is you actually need. You think you want something that will destroy your life and you call it a need. I know what you need. I'll provide for you. The next thing God, God's hand represents is His protection. His protection that God has us in His grip. He has us in His grip. And who better to see that hand of God and how it protects than the one who tried to walk on water. I love this story. I love this story. Peter tried to make uh, his way to Jesus. And just about the time he got there, we know what happened. Sometimes it's right when we are on the verge. Right when you're on the verge of something big, you begin to sink. See, I never saw this before. It says that Peter, in the storm, got out of the boat. And when he walked out on the water, he did pretty good at first, right? He was making it in the first couple of steps. He was good. But as he started walking towards Jesus, it says in verse 30, Matthew 14, verse 30, it says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So he cries out before he completely goes under. He's sinking, but he's not sunk. He's going down, but he's not completely out. See, the lion is on the prowl, but he's not yet prevailed in Peter's life. His faith is wavering. He is sinking. It says in verse 31, it says, Immediately, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. I want you to notice the construct of the the narrative here. Jesus is not walking towards Peter, though. Peter's walking towards Jesus. And when Jesus sees Peter falling, he hears him cry out, he reaches out his hand, and Peter is close enough for Jesus to reach. No, it's not like there's any limitation on God and where He can get and how He can find you and where He can lift you out of. But I want you to focus on the fact that the problem with some of us isn't that we're sinking, is that we won't stay close enough for God to let Him get us in our grip. We won't even commit ourselves to the very things we've been called to commit to. See, Jesus was moving, Peter was moving towards Christ. But I came, you know, announced today for this church and for my life and for your lives, that the liar of the devil, that I'm in God's grip. From now on, this will be, this will be in our lives, committed to our lives. And no matter what's going on, no matter how much we may be sinking, no matter how much we may be stumbling, that we're in the grip of God. This church needs to be in God's grip. Even when we're going down, even when the storm is raging and the wind's whipping around us and we're afraid, we need to remember we're in God's grip. We're in His grip. And we are in the mighty hand of His protection. We must humble ourselves under the hand of God. See, verse 7 is what I've been trying to practice in my life. That I can be under attack and not be anxious. It says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Anxiety comes in many different forms, but it usually makes some of the same assumptions our self-doubt, our fear, our worry, and our worthlessness, our inefficiency to do something. It makes these same assumptions, and you don't, you don't have what it takes. You can't do it. So when dealing with anxiety, I really want to look at the context of 1 Peter 5. See, Peter's, Peter's the guy, he, he fell asleep in the garden of Gethsemane. And while he was supposed to be watching 
Jesus is back, he falls asleep. And if you remember, Jesus came to him twice. He gives him two wake-up calls, and Peter hits the snooze button three times. We do that often in our lives when God's calling us. Are you still sleeping? That's what he's asking him. Now look at how Peter was telling the church to be alert, which is translated elsewhere in the New Testament to be prayerful. The enemy eats Christians who are asleep, especially, especially a church that is committed to his mission. He eats Christians who are asleep. Be alert to what's going on. Know the, know the birthmark of the believer. That the birthmark you have is a bullseye. And that Satan wants to devour you. I started taking the verse apart. So I you know, went into verse 7 real hard. You know, looking for an answer. And when anxiety attacks, it will drive you to seek God. When anxiety and fear attacks, it should drive you to seek God. And I was looking for Him. Because it says, cast all your anxiety upon him. While I was reading it, because I knew Peter, you know, he wrote it. And I had this picture of him being a fisherman. You know, Peter was a fisherman. And I picture just like a fisherman casting a net, you know, and Peter's casting it out. He's casting that net out all night long and he catches nothing. But Jesus told him to do something different, right? Cast it out a little deeper, which isn't normal. Most of the fish they caught were in the shallows. Here's Peter all night, probably doesn't clean his nets, he doesn't, he's wore out, he's caught nothing, and Jesus is saying, hey, no, wait, wait, wait. Trust in me just one minute. Cast your net out on the other side. And I just had that picture of him casting. And I think sometimes anxiety is a result of our unwillingness to be obedient. And when he didn't cast the, the net on the other side, you know, it's, it's, it's a picture for us to see that we don't get to do it our way. We don't get to do how we want to do it. Maybe that's the the word for someone here today. That when he says, cast all your anxiety on him, it means do it my way and do it now. Not your way. It may not look the way you think it should look. I may not handle your situation the way you want me to. But you need to do it my way. You need to be obedient to me. We fished on our side all night and we caught nothing. But because you say so, I'm going to cast my net in the deeper water. And we know what happens. We're obedient to God and He meets us in those moments. I've been trying to do this, uh, this same way in my life, you know, to handle it my way on my own a lot of times. But from now on, I think I need to cast my net on the other side and do it God's way. If I want God to handle the anxiety and fear in my life, I need to do it His way, not my own. But it was actually in verse 5 and 6 where I found the answer. In verse 5, He says, In the same way you were younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe. And that that word seems to, it means to tie on. Not the word, but the translation of it means to tie on. Like a towel. Just like a towel is being tied around your waist. Like Jesus did when He took the role of a servant. And He got a servant's towel. And He began to wash the feet of the disciples. Now you remember what Peter said, you know... You're not, and listen, you're not going to wash our feet. You're the king. You sit on a throne. And Jesus still grabbed that servant's towel and he washed their feet. I wonder if Peter is telling them to clothe themselves in humility, but he's having that flashback to that moment where Jesus took that towel and washed their feet, where Jesus became a servant and humbled himself as an example for all of us. How we need to humble ourselves, not even not just before God, but in the lives of the people that He's put in our lives. To be a humble servant. 
Maybe my biggest um, problem was that I thought that verse 7, well, you know how, how we like to go into the Word sometimes. We like to pick out our favorite verses. We like to grab a little bit here, grab a little bit there. We have a little of a grab bag theology. You know, but we need to catch the essence of what's going on here to fully understand it. So we need to fully understand verse 6 first before you can even get into verse 7. He says, humble yourselves before God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. See, to understand the essence of the connection of 6 and 7, we have to look kind of at the literal translation of it. Peter's writing this in, in the original Greek language and, and, there, and there's not two separate sentences. This is all one sentence. We don't have all these nice breaks and numbers like we do today. Well, as he's writing in the original language, these two sentences go together. See, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you. He may lift you up. And what happens next is predicated on whether or not what happens in verse 6 is applied. This is how we have to view verse 7. See, in the Greek, it's one sentence. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. See, I've been trying to cast my anxieties on God. I've been trying to do that and keep my pride. I've been trying to do that and keep my way intact. See, the thing you need to know is that the pride and the anxiety come in the same form of the same package. So if you insist on doing it your way, then you should expect to feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders because it is. If you insist in doing it how you want to do it and deny God's will in your life, then expect to feel that burden in your life. So you can't do verse 7 because you just decided to. You can't just say, God, take it off of me. You can't just say, hey, get my anxiety away from me, God. Make me not worried anymore. I'm casting it all on you. I'm casting my anxiety just like you said. Now I look at the word anxiety. I look at it closely. And I look about how it's spelled at the center of that word anxiety. If you begin to trace it back. Now I'm not talking about uh, in the medical condition or a medical form. That's above my pay grade. I'm talking about the spiritual way. If we trace that spiritual thread back. Spiritually speaking at the center of that word anxiety. There is an I at the center. And I can guarantee you there is an eye at the center of your anxiety, your pride, your way, your will, the way you want to do it. There's usually our pride there. And the reason we're so anxious is because we have ourselves at the center. And you you know, we constantly think it's uh, causes from something external because we're putting ourselves on the throne of our lives and not allowing God to be God. To even listen to our language sometimes when we get the, when we start feeling anxiety in our lives. I know if I, I know, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can make it. It's I, 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 I. You can't spell anxiety without that word I. And you, and and one word, another word that I is right in the middle of is our pride. And I think these two, two things go hand in hand. And maybe the reason we struggle so much with anxiety today It's because we all have been bearing the weight we weren't meant to bear. We must humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because if you stay weighed down with the pride, if you stay weighed down with anxiety, it makes it so much more difficult for us to get back up and cry out to God. God can lift any burden off you. He's bigger than our problems. He's bigger than your fear. So why do we live with that kind of weight and anxiety on us? See, it's not just a command 
It's not a command to cast your anxiety on Him. It's a result. The command is to humble yourselves under His mighty hand. And when you do, the anxiety goes with the pride. We must first humble ourselves under the mighty hand. Get yourself out of the center and God on the throne of your life and allow God to be God in your life. Maybe the anxiety is the fruit of the pride and the pride is the root. We have to, to, to pluck it up at the root. Get yourself out of the center. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Who better to teach us about humility than Peter? As they were sitting around a table, Jesus said, all of you are going to fall away. Now Jesus was saying, you're all going to hit rock bottom because sometimes I feel like the only way we find our foundation is to hit rock bottom. How many of you know that to be true in your life? That God had to let you hit rock bottom before you could find that foundation. We need to hit rock bottom. And sometimes that's the best place to build from. It's the best place to lead from, to learn from, to grow from. The place of where it makes us cry out, Lord, save me. And the hand of God gets involved. See, Peter said after he said that, you know, even if all fall away, I'm not going to. I won't. Not me, God. Peter didn't know this at the time as he's sitting around this table and he says that, but Jesus informs him in verse 30. He says, truly, I tell you. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you're, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. You're going to deny me three times. See, Jesus warned Peter of the attack, and sometimes we don't listen, and we don't hear, and we're surprised when it comes. But Peter gives him the, Jesus gives Peter the warning. Hey, it's coming. So we act like it's, a, it's an ambush when it's really normal to be attacked. And Jesus told Peter, Satan has asked me for all of you, and specifically you, Peter. He wants you to be sifted as wheat. He wants me to sort what's real from what's not real. But Jesus says, I prayed for you, Peter. I'm praying for you. And he says, you know, you're going to fail, Peter, but I'm not. You're shaky at best, but I'm the rock. You may be shaky, but I'm as solid as a rock. I'm as solid as a rock, but I've prayed for you, Peter. Now, Peter writes the decades later to a church under attack. And he's telling them to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. For your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone he can shred to pieces with doubt, with fear, and with selfishness. It's a time for resistance. This is what Peter's saying. Not a time to run, but a time to resist. You think Peter understood this well? He understood it perfectly well. And you know, it seems like the church, a lot of times we look back and we go, yeah, but he's a lion. What am I going to do? He's a lion. He might be licking his lips. His fangs might be sharp. He might have you in his sights. And maybe you did do what, you, what, what God knows you did. And maybe you are struggling. And maybe you are sinking. Maybe you are going down. But you need to know one thing about this lion. See, Peter says that after you have suffered a little while, that God Himself will step in and make you strong. See, Satan may be a lion, but what we need to remember is he's on a leash. That God has him on a leash. He can only go so far. He can only do so much. And he's nowhere near the power of the God that we serve. The one who can deliver you from all things. 
The one who can go into our broken places and mend the things that we, th- we think are unfixable, unmendable. We got to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. This is what God's called you to do today. To humble yourself under His will, His plan for your life. Trust in His provision. Trust that He will provide for you, that He is in your life, that He is imminent, that He is with you. You don't have to lean on your own strength and your own understanding because it will fail you every time. God has got you. He's there for us. And that God, He is the God of our, He's our protector. He's our shelter. He's our stronghold. We can't forget that in times of trouble that we have a mighty fortress on our side. That we must lean on God and humble ourselves under His mighty hand. Anxiety will be cast aside. The depression that we feel often will be cast aside. Our anger will be cast aside. The things that are in our lives that keep stumbling, that we keep tripping over daily. God will cast these things aside. He wants to do a mighty work in your life today. Humble yourselves under His hand. Allow God to work in your life in the way that He wants to, in the fullness of His power and His grace and His love. Humble yourselves, Dayspring. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to God, we thank You so much that You are a God that loves us, that that has died for us, God, that has given us a way back to You. Lord, but You are a God that has called us to humble ourselves under Your hand, to allow Your plan to take root in our lives, to cast our own wants and desires aside, to align ourselves with Your will, Lord, and we ask that You just continue to teach us how to do that each and every day to put you first, to allow you to be God in our lives. Our first priority. Lord, allow us to lean on your provision because you are a God that provides. Not on our own strengths and talents and merits, Lord, but on you. Solely on you. And when those times come and the waves be crashing down on us harder and harder and our fear is is raging and we are full of anxiety and we, we had those thoughts of hopelessness and worthlessness, Lord, Allow us to understand that you are our protector and strength. You are the one that shelters us. God, let these things take root in our heart and our minds. Allow us to go out into a darkened world, a world that is broken, Lord, and show these very things. Reflect your Son fully in our lives and let others see how powerful and great of a God you are. Lord, we love you and we thank you for these on all these things we ask in your precious knowing. Amen. Day spring, have a good day. You are